This is a Crow's Nest podcast. And welcome to Titanic Talkline. I am Alexia, and this week I am joined by Jim from the Film Rage podcast. Hello, hello. Oh, toot toot. Is that what the was that what the Titanic sounds when it blows? Oh toot man, toot. I have no idea. Something like ooh, ooh, or something ooh, really deep and dramatic. Oh, ooh, ooh, nice. That was better than whatever my half half ass attempt at that <laughs> sound was. It's it's fine. It's fine. All How right. How are you doing? How how goes? Uh, it goes fantastic. We um we had our we record our podcast on on Wednesday nights. Nice. And we had yeah. last night was probably the most fun I ever had doing our podcast of any time that I've ever had. It was we had just so much fun because it was like what one of it was like reversal of fortune for us sure. because one of us who usually likes everything hated everything and the two of us that we never agree on everything agreed on everything. So it was just the weirdest, most fun <laughs> awkwardness that ever happened. So yeah, we had so much fun. What was it on? Are you allowed to tell us? Uh, yeah, for sure. It's out, it's out now. So nice. um, we saw three movies from the week before. So we have, oh, you know what? And my brain doesn't always work on cue, but um, so we had reviewed three different films. Mm-hmm. The movie Inside with Willem Dafoe. We watched a movie called Brother, which is a Canadian film um, about two brothers. That's the name Brother. And we... No. Yeah, right? Who knew? Uh, And then we reviewed the movie Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Oh, nice. Fun story. I've never seen any of them, but I have heard of uh, the first and the second and the third. Ah, nice. Awesome. Well, Brother is, um, I don't think it's got a huge wide release internationally, but I can sure. tell you this, if if anyone on the planet can get access to the movie called Brother, made in Canada, it is, in my opinion, the best Canadian movie that has ever been made. So, Okay, that's yeah. a strong recommendation. I'm writing it that is. down. It is. I have... I've seen a significant amount of Canadian film. We we watch way too many films than we probably should. And uh, we I feel like that's the point of your podcast, though. It is kind of the point <laughs> of your podcast, yeah. So it's uh, it's definitely seeing this film blew my mind. It mm-hmm. it was usually we have like we're a little harder on Canadian film, probably because there's a lot of public funding that goes into Canadian film. So obviously we're like, okay, really, my tax money goes to funding this film and it wasn't that good this this movie (laughs) was like filmed in canada with canadian talent canadian writers canadian directors and uh it was it was i don't know in my opinion it's just one of the best character films and anything that is a character movie i am gonna be excited about so yeah what's the brother what's the genre is it a drama it's a drama yeah heavy 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 drama oh heavy drama (laughs) yeah heavy heavy drama with these two brothers who grow up in, you know, somewhat like the projects in a okay. suburb of Toronto. And uh, as you know, Toronto is the biggest city in Canada. So it's probably 
got a greater Toronto area of like 8 million people. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's the projects of where they live and which is, which is done so well in this film. Uh, the, the, the community in which they hang out with is, uh, the black community in Scarborough and it takes place in the nineties. And, um, beforehand, like if you do some reading about it, 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 there is an LBGTQ component to the film, but as you're watching it, you'll be like, okay, when is the, as I said last night, uh, where's the gay going to happen? I'm looking for the gay here and it's not here. And um, it's done so amazingly well when they have the reveal. It's just like so natural. And the way, in my opinion, that they should introduce um, any any gay character or uh, character of the LBGTQ community where it's not like we have to tick a box. It is, mm-hmm. it is like, this is what natural filming looks and feels like so it it's it's brilliant this movie is so good i appreciate that much more natural and subtle approach to introducing you know marginalized characters i remember really enjoying it i liked um i really like animated stuff and i remember i really love the um netflix tv show she-ra the It was very targeted for kids, very cutesy, but one thing I think they did really well, which is any um, character of the queer community was just, there there they are, and there was no big introduction of like, this is, I am a woman, and this is my wife. It is just like, hey, sorry I'm late, she was taking way too long. Yeah. Things of that nature. Exactly. And, and there's yeah, to a me that's the mm-hmm. way you do it, right? I agree. And there's a non-binary character and they just refer to them by they them pronouns and no one's ever like, what is this pronoun thing? It's just everyone yeah. from the heroes to the villains are totally on board with their pronouns. They're just like, okay. Yeah. And no they one did, talks about it. They did that in uh Schitt's Creek too. Like Schitt's Creek did a really good job of I of tried watching that show. Daniels. Yeah, some people don't like it. It's you know, it's it, there's there's I'm not saying it's my favorite show. But sure. I'm saying that they did a really good job mm-hmm. with um, the queer community and how they, they dealt with things. It's like, it, it's a safe space. The show mm-hmm. is a safe space that people could just allow and be accepted, even in a small town, right? Which we know is not necessarily the truth in real life. But yeah, but I, I did like that about it. I do. I did like that. You know, I, lo- I like that approach. I think that it's way better I mean, sure, sure, there's there's definitely room for the moments of, but I, I think it's way better than always relying on the big reveal. Mm. Yep. Yep. It's always drawing attention to it. And in the same way that I'm glad that we're moving away from the like female heroine needs a makeover trope. Yeah. We, we can leave that yeah, alone. There's, there's like so many tropes that like, well, I'm usually fed by Disney that is usually... Yeah, I don't even want to. Don't even go down that rabbit hole. That's a huge rabbit hole. To it, it is, but I'll I'll just skim it by saying I'll jump right over by just going. I love Disney. All right, we're on the other side. <laughs> All right, we've made. Woo! Thank God we made it over that. Gotcha. Well, before we fall back into it, because I can, I will ask you the question I ask everybody, which is, what is your Titanic story? Before I ask you my other question, which is about Titanic media. Oh wow. Okay, so when you say, what is my Titanic story, are you meaning in reference to the first time I saw Titanic, to the time that I read a book about Titanic, uh, how I, you know, um, or Titanic as a metaphor for my life, as in what's my my Titanic story? What is your iceberg and how can we help you in this session to deconstruct it? Call us now for your personal offer. 
<laughs> exactly. Is that the one you're wanting? Which which Titanic version are you wanting? Well, I was specifically asking the question I ask everyone who comes on my show, which is because some people, you know, have very long and in-depth stories about how they developed a fascination with Titanic and some people have seen the movie. Ah, there you go. So <laughs> so I actually, interestingly <laughs> enough, I had uh, quite a fascination with Titanic as a young child. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because it was only happened just a couple of years after I was born. So it was like, I was surprised that, you know, people I knew might've been on it, but um, what, what um, I was always fascinated by disasters as a kid. So, you know, uh, the Hindenburg and the Titanic and, you know, then in the seventies when they had towering Inferno and like, these were all things to me that were fascinating that, that the world could create something so massive and immense and important and then have a huge, huge disaster happen like it, it was fascinating to me yeah so i'd already had this passion for uh titanic well before james cameron came out and made the film about it but you know once once the film came out that you know that it kind of re, re, readdressed it and interestingly enough the whole concept of after making it and his fascination with it he was also a canadian by the way people probably mm-hmm. know that but um <laughs> You know, and he spent a significant amount of his life then trying to discover it. So it was kind of, it was, you know, um, the fact that I had the passion beforehand kind of helped. And I was, yeah. I've always been a big Leo fan. So, um, yeah, that's guess my, my Titanic story. You know, but it's similar to mine in that way where it's like, you know, I I think my initial interest was maybe from the movie. But it didn't initially start from Leo Mania, but I then wasn't interested in the whole story as as a as a big thing. And it's not been the only disaster that I've been interested in the course of my life, because, you know, you learn about, you know, horrible atrocities and you're like, oh, my God, you know, what what happened here? Mm-hmm. And you read about it a while. But Titanic's the one that I've always come back to and researched more in depth and become more interested in and. I don't know why. I'm sure that if I you know, asked an actual therapist, they might be able to tell me. But, you know, I don't think it's really important why. It's just that it is important. And it's 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 neat to learn a bunch of different stories about this thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge film person, as you know. Yeah. And um, so film is always... I didn't get that me. impression. Yeah, really, right? When we, don't have, we have a podcast called Film Rage and, you know. I thought I meant that you raged against films because you hated them so much. Oh, uh, we do have a lot of that. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of rage against films that we hate. That was especially more like, God, another movie? I hate these things. <laughs> no, no, we do love a lot of films too. So we're, but we're very particular. Um, sure, yeah, sure. I mean, film, film gener- I think helps to generate and it, and it, it changes and warps and molds society. Mm-hmm. from from an art art standpoint right so bringing the titanic back to a lot of people who kind of forgot that it existed is uh is probably quite interesting right like it is it is it, the spectacle of the film and the actual truth about titanic right like i mean titanic the movie i mean i'm not a big fan of biopics at the best of times but sure. i do like uh a story that is you know grandiose for sure 
I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there is such a difference between old photographs and seeing the splendor of things. Like, I'm not a big fan of, gosh, what is it called? Is it the Stars Network that does all the um, Tudor and royal dramas? Oh, and... yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Little, yeah, period pieces. Yeah, yeah the period pieces. Period there we go. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of all those, but I will say, you know, it does bring to life how beautiful and lush that period was. Instead of looking at, you know, old black and white photos or these gowns and museums that are faded and threadbare and missing their embroidery and these castles that are ruins now. Yeah. And then you see, you know, this beautiful high, you know, high, you know, budget production. That's like, I get it now where you see, you know, the hair and the makeup and the food and the furniture and the gardens and the gowns and everything as it was then when you know the money was flowing you're like oh okay the appeal and the grandeur is there yeah for sure um it, interesting you say that too because like I'm a very big believer in leaving art the way art was intended so I don't sure. like the fact they would colorize psycho I don't like that they take old movies and colorize them but one of the things that blew my mind probably the most of any of you know, films that I've seen from a documentary perspective mm -hmm. is um, Peter Jackson went and re and colorized to natural color. It took him like, I don't know, something like five years of work to take this original 1918 uh, war film and colorize it to today. It's like it's actual documentary footage that you can see. And to see the footage re- re-image properly in color which we mm -hmm. would actually see in reality was very was very mind-bending because you know everything we would have seen from 1918 would be like grainy and you know it's it's like sepia or you know black and white or whatever it was and to see what would be going through the eyes and the minds of of the soldiers from 1918 it was it was amazing to me I think that that matters. And I'm with you in that I'm not usually a huge fan of redoing things, or if I am, it's the sort of concept of like make a copy. Like you like that movie so much, like you you know, make a copy. Like for example, there's a there's a there's an animated show that I like called Ruby, and when it was first starting to be made, it had a budget of like seven dollars, and now it has a much higher budget and it's one of those things where i'm kind of like you could go back and redo like don't redo the audio tracks the perspective but now that you have the money flesh it out make it match the seasons that have money like you don't have to yeah, change the yeah. plot or anything but just like go from walking like gumby people to like giving them clothing that you know it's not just a skirt with legs coming out of it which is extremely funny when people cartwheel it's like my favorite thing yeah, no doubt. Uh, anytime people cartwheel is always pretty cool. But it's know. pretty great. But when it looks like a rosebud with two toothpicks coming out of it, it's just like yes. better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. Hello. <laughs> it's a, like a red tutu. That's supposed to be what that looks like. Like, good job. But it's that concept where it's like make a copy. You don't have to render the old, simplified kind of silly version. Yeah. Useless. Yeah. No, I I agree. I think well, art is made and. It, it captures a moment in time and I, I love that so the fact that I am impressed by something when it was colorized but it's such a different yeah. process because sure no one had seen this film in its original state so it's like 
let's see it what we, the way we would see it now. So it is art created from art that nobody had saw. So, yeah. Do you even call it colorizing at that point? Or do we call it like modernizing the footage? Because that sounds like an entirely like, it sounds like a yeah. massive intensive labor. Not yeah, being critical, I mean, but like. Yeah, you know what? I I, I don't know. Sure. Um, I don't I, either. I, I like, I, I definitely like the term modernizing. That's. I'm just thinking about it where it's like you you clean it up so it's not you're you're not just coloring it's like you're clearly like removing the noise you're removing the blink of the frames smoothing it all out it's like that must I I I, I'm just being impressed at how much time that must have taken yeah I'm, I'm still impressed like my one of my favorite movies of all times is The Wizard of Oz and I just think the fact that they took you from black and white into color the moment mm-hmm. when Dorothy steps into Oz is just like, oh my God, this is this is visual masterpiece at its finest. It's when everything is done for the first time. You think it's it's just so ingenious, and you know, you think, how did they come up with that? Because yeah, where'd that come from? Yeah, exactly. Like I I just imagine being in the cinema when the movie came out. And, you know, there was color movies that had come out before Wizard of Oz, but mm-hmm. but I'm sure they probably went to the cinemas and they're like, okay, yeah, oh, okay. It looks like they're doing black and white and they're watching black and white for like 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden she steps into Oz and your your mind's transported to Oz. And it's just like, oh my God. I do think that is cool. I, you know, there's certain moments in movies that do just kind of pull you in. Or you remember them because they made you feel a particular way. Mm-hmm. And that's why they, you know, they stick out to you. Yeah. I'm saying that as though I've discovered something profound. It's like, yeah, obviously you idiot. <laughs> but it also helps to transist us to the, to the next point about Titanic, right? Yes. Because I was going to ask you, because I, I, I don't watch as many movies as I think I do. I'm, uh... I'm learning where I'm like, oh, I thought I watched a lot of movies. It turns out I don't. But I am imagining that you've seen more Titanic films than just James Cameron's film. And specifically, you've seen A Night to Remember, the the 58 film. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of, and I've seen both now. And I know that there's a lot of people who say, you know, probably rightly so, that A Night to Remember is the much more accurate Titanic film. But there are some people that think it's the better one. What do you think? Um, yeah, you know... They're 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 kind of like two really different films, ultimately, mm-hmm. right? Like that is true. It's it's like trying to compare a documentary to a biopic, right? It's mm-hmm. it's um, I I know in, in the sense that I mean, Night to Remember is like, I think it was in, filmed in black and white. Yes, right. If my memory yes. is right, like I saw that movie so many years ago like so many years ago so i can't remember even the the plot or the story behind it i remember loving it and it was also part of my passion as to how you know seen do- a lot more documentaries I'm a, I'm a bit of a especially when it comes to truth history truth um for me i'd much rather watch a documentary about that the the difference being is that when you have a because i don't really i mean the titan t- titanic by james cameron isn't really even a biopic it's just a story about the titanic happening with characters that are make-believe right so it's 
um it's just a it's just a really interesting version of james cameron's vision of what the titanic would have been like right which at the time the amount of money he spent on it to get he just does such an amazing job at at cinematography and and um and fx that it it just overwhelms people's senses right whereas Mm -hmm. you know and i to remember from my memory of it at the time again it was groundbreaking right so it traumatized people again because (laughs) of the disaster that was happening right right it was also very much i you know i think a film of its time yeah. You know, when, when you watch it, it's very much a film of the like late 50s, early 60s. It came out in 1958. It has the style of the time. And there were also much different sort of notions and protocols of what you should and shouldn't do on screen. Like implying nudity and sexual relations would not have flown, I don't think. I also don't, you know, know for sure. Maybe if you had the right film, they'd allow it for art's sake. But I find that difficult to believe. And just the style of speaking and acting and filming, you know, it was very much a product of its time, but I will also say that except for the breaking in half portion, which it doesn't do, it sinks all in one piece, but it did follow the testimony of, you know, the book, a night to remember very well. And that's why a lot of people give it its props as being far more authentic in terms, especially of the iceberg striking sequence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even to this date, I mean, they, it's, it's theory, right? Like everything is yeah. still theory because well, some of it's been proven with forensics things, obviously like the ship broke in half. Yes. We've proven that. Yeah. that Yeah. For sure. That, I mean, just, just meaning specifically around the iceberg and, you know, sure. They can see, you're right. Things from necessarily forensics, but um, because no, I don't think there's anybody left that was on the Titanic, right? I mean, they now, interviewed no. people that have information, but they probably weren't the captain or, you know, the the people that were making those decisions. They were all survivors that weren't, you know. Well, Lightoller was the second officer and he was the highest ranked surviving officer on the ship. So the second officer is the oh. highest ranking person to survive Titanic. And he and a few other officers did give testimony at the British and American inquiry hearings. And those were also used to, you know, write a night to remember. So insofar as it goes, the iceberg striking sequence in Cameron's film is the least accurate of the two, but it is the far more interesting and dramatic one. Yeah, of of course. But, but here's also, I guess, somewhat of the point I would make is Mm. how do we know how truthful what they were saying is actually. That's hard to balance, but I will also say that most of them kind of mostly said the same thing about yeah we struck at this time this is the order that was given this is what i did that's what he did i saw him do the thing i saw him say a thing and then that guy did it and then i talked to that guy and he goes yep uh they told me to do the thing and and i and i i i mean he i did it he told me to pull a lever so i went "Mm." (laughs) there was a lot of that kind of testimony where it's just kind of like yeah he told me to turn the wheel so i went you know yes that's what happened and then they go light told her did this happen he goes sure i mean i wasn't actually there i was like walking up as it happened but if that's what he says happened i'm pretty sure it i'm imagining it's probably a lot of that so i would go out and say that yeah some of it's probably like not 100 percent accurate but i'm gonna go ahead and say it's probably mostly accurate yeah i mean what is it there's an there's an iceberg there's a boat 
there's dead people and there's you know a ship at the bottom of the ocean yeah and you know there's a bunch of people that weren't like assholes and newbies where it's like tried you know did our best what we had but i mean you must have heard some of the controversy that sure it's not actually the titanic at all it's the other the other yeah all those other things that come out right like it's it does start i mean you can we can find um you know tinfoil hat wears everywhere so it's like, it's true i just try not to indulge that which i know makes me sound like some sort of like swatty school mom or something but it's kind of like as gently as i can say that i just try to like not fucking deal with it because yeah. it's not worth the time like yeah i could invest a lot of energy getting real upset about it and arguing with people because trust me i've done that before <laughs> um <laughs> Nice. And I think, yeah, and I think that's kind of what made me realize, like, I can't keep doing that. Like, if I actually want to learn things, and yeah. I really want to actually fill my brain with new stories and new facts and new people, I can't spend all that time being like, enough about that switch theory! <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love it, though. Like, I, 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 um, I'm one of those people in general that, you know, the term poke the bear. I love poking the bear. I it's used to like one of my it's like one of my hobbies actually I'm one of those people that now encourages other people to poke the bear and then I sit there and I watch yes but I'm really go. public about my role I'm like look I'm not coming with you but I am encouraging the shit out of you yeah, please so you, and, you and I are going to become really good friends <laughs> I'm convinced of that yeah I can see that and I see this being great and terrible <laughs> yeah exactly I think that's one thing I'm learning throughout just like meeting other like any any number of people I was about to say other podcasters but then I was like uh wait other that meeting people through this show is just kind of like we're all trouble in our own ways (laughs) some worse than us than others but it's it's fine it's true it's true but I think that's necessary though and I also think you know especially when you know you're talking about things like movies it's really boring to have people that just agree with you all the time, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I, you know, some of the, well, how should I put this? There's certain people that I don't mind having arguments with. And then there's, there's people that I just refuse to have arguments with. No, because... I think that I should have caveated that much better than I did. No, oh, why? Because uh, I meant more like, as you said, it's like, there's certain people that you, there's arguing and then there's arguing. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I love having disagreements with people. In fact, maybe to your point earlier, I've I've learned and grown and changed as a person mm-hmm. because I have a strong belief in something. But because I'm a person that listens and and likes to hear other people's viewpoints and opinions, and I'm always continually growing and learning as a person. So, you know, when somebody when I have a strong belief in something and someone gives me a counter that I have to rethink about and then I digest it. And then sometimes I absorb that, right? Like I grew up in a very um, right-wing Christian nut job household. So it's, my vision about what the world was, was captured from, to your point about your parents, Mm -hmm. my parents had a vision and they brought to me. And then I grew up in an era where certain things weren't talked about, but you know, when you're in grade 12 and your best friend comes to you and says, I'm pregnant, I need an abortion, mm-hmm. you have to change your opinion or, you know, or not, right? And 
And it was like one of those things to me that kind of changed who I became as a person moving forward from that time because I had to sneak her across the border because at the time there wasn't a place in my city. So we had to sneak into Buffalo to get, um, back then you didn't even need a passport to get to Buffalo from, from Ontario and, uh, and get her an abortion and come back for school the next day. Right. Like it's, um, it's just one of those things that having that discussion, I like to have discussions with people who, mm-hmm. who like also to have discussions. Yeah. Right. To your point, before we move on, what I'm going to say is, man, there was a time when people could come to the United States for abortion safely. Yeah, right? Huh? What, a, those what a cut. No, what a concept. <laughs> no, I don't remember those. <laughs> oh, man, that's upsetting. Uh, I could derail the rest of our time by complaining about that. Yeah, well, you can come to Canada. We we love we love it. Uh, it's difficult when you have those moments in your life where you are confronted with something that fundamentally changes your beliefs. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it says a lot about who you are as obviously it says a lot about who you are as a person and how you react in that moment, you know, and, you know, some people don't react rightly in the moment. And, you know, you, your friend especially is very lucky to have had you who was just willing to be like, well, this is a thing that's in my pocket now and we are going to deal with it. And that's what you want. So I don't care what I believe so right it's it's nice that you have that you know you had that presence of mind to know that that was who you needed to be for your friend and you didn't need to be like well you shouldn't have done these things and after yeah why aren't you using protection and why why what do you mean there's pro choices for you to make that you can you know do this and that and it's like no right she'd already processed it probably for days yeah and it was a hard thing for her to ask anybody right so how how can I stop that and right and make her rethink because she's already processed it so right yeah. she's and already been thinking and dealing and dealing and thinking and as you said processing just yeah mulling it over in a way that you know obviously you in the moment who are shocked with that information had not had an opportunity to especially because I had to skip typing class and you know it was uh it was a test the next day but it was well worth Uh-oh. it yeah that's fair there's certain things that you just kind of got to be like sorry teach yeah exactly i'm sick today (laughs) love mean girls so much yeah that's such a silly movie but i love it's a it's so good yeah i like jawbreaker too it's also another i've seen jawbreaker maybe twice before around the same time that i first saw heather's and I, yeah. yeah, I think maybe I, I caught them at the wrong time in my life or something, but they did not stick with me. I did not. I mean, I got them, but I was like, all right, I've now seen this movie and I have seen this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I did love Mean Girls. I, I did appreciate, I think, Heather's maybe a little bit more than Jawbreaker. Yeah. I think his Jawbreaker agree. is also just blatantly insane. Yeah, of course, but that that's kind of like me. So I I appreciate movies that are a little bit insane. I do too. I happen to think that Showgirls is hilarious. <laughs> I'm a bit of a Verhoeven fan myself, so it's such a wild movie. Like I... <laughs> they greenlit that; they really did. Yep, <laughs> it's <laughs> our country is such a wild. 
wild wild place america is an insane place yeah it's true there's a lot of insanity yeah it's like my dad was saying my dad is from india by the way but my dad was saying like america is such a weird place where people like the kardashians who contribute nothing to society can become idols yeah (laughs) he's right i mean he is although there's some pretty amazing bollywood films that oh yeah right that that i love bollywood movies yeah so do i oh yeah but he's and, and, talking about something completely separate. No, no. I I just made me think about how much I idolized some great Bollywood actors, right? So great movies. It uh it made me remember, oh yeah, like watching RRR in the cinema. I haven't seen that one yet. My what? my boyfriend and I want to watch it together. I know we're he's a fucking he works on the West Coast. Who are season to get off work until you know i'm starting to fall asleep because i'm an old person so watching yep so watching movies is just like out of the question sometimes because he's like hey are you ready to watch a movie and i'm like halfway into my pajamas i'm like uh like you got 20 minutes (laughs) you're gonna have to watch it in i want the to daytime because it's like three hours long it is a long i mean I've, I've managed to make it through titanic a few times though i did fall asleep during part of it in the theaters but i woke up when the sinking started <laughs> the important part yeah i was awake for the beginning i fell asleep a little bit in the middle and then suddenly there was a lot of noise and flashing lights and i was back in nice <laughs> i was like oh shoot boat's going down all right we're in it again but yeah i do want to see rrr what's annoying is that there are so many movies on movies come out too fast now mm-hmm. yeah that sounds like a joke that i'm making but I, i'm i'm serious there you used to be able to actually catch up on films yeah the speed at which they are produced now is uh, is is untenable in my opinion it is insane yeah. but it's it's not just it's not just the fact that the speed of them but yes. now you are getting you know more international films so that i mean yeah. that's been my biggest complaint I mean, I have a lot of complaints. You know, I do have a lot of rage, but um, like one of my big complaints is that we don't get enough international cinema, and you know, so we get we get a ton of Bollywood films, we get a ton of um, Korean films, we mm-hmm. get uh, a ton of, but you know, how often can you go to the cinema and see a really good Israeli film, or you know, see a Norwegian film, or you know, because they're producing great stuff too, right? Yeah, it's the so, one in a millions that actually managed to make it into the theaters. And yeah. even then in the United States, historically, any foreign film doesn't do great. Yeah. I mean, my favorite movie of last year was a Polish film. So Ooh, which one? It's called Woman on the Roof. I can't remember if I've heard of it or not, and I don't want to lie and be like, I've heard of it. But yeah, you probably haven't, but yeah. um, it it was Poland's uh submission for international uh, films for okay. the academy but it didn't make the final cut but to me it was the best movie i saw last year and i saw close to a thousand films so jesus christ but i don't know if you there's a movie i really like that almost no one's seen it's a i think it was it was like half in french and half in english so i don't remember if it was you know american british or um french made officially mm. but it was called sarah's key oh i heard of the film i didn't see it but, uh, I liked it. So you did see it. I did. Um, listeners, if you're if you haven't heard of it, it's fine. It was based off a book that actually did really well. I think it was on the New York Times bestseller list for a while, and it's about 
it takes place half in the past and half in the present um the past follows sarah a young girl whose family is caught up in the invasion of france by the nazis and a woman in modern times whose name i can't remember because it's not on the title of the book who finds out who sarah is and tries to you know piece together her story well people mm-hmm. will now look it up i hope Apparently, so really good. it the origin of it is from france for sure okay makes sense filmed in paris manhattan and okay. in other parts of new york and france okay yeah i knew that it was done in both countries i just didn't remember which one was like yeah, primary it's custody surpri- it's kind of surprising there is a lot of films now i mean that film's not a new film no but there's a lot of films now where you'll see countries like mm-hmm. it's a canadian swedish australian film and you're like what how did that, that happen but it's like when you try to look at the tv i like the tv show 1899 and the same people did dark he's like you try to look at where is it from and it's basically just a world map yeah <laughs> exactly there's a lot of lights on the globe right now it's just it's all lit up you're like thank you for this yeah light bright portrait yeah. of useless knowledge <laughs> nice i do like that you know there is a much much more collaborative availability for you know tv and movies i yeah. mean it's the upside and the downside to the connectivity it's like oh man we get so much more stuff ah fuck we get so much more stuff yeah i don't have enough time in my day to see no. movies and stuff i want to see I still have never seen an episode of Black Mirror. Oh, really? There's just so many other things to watch. Yeah, it's true. You haven't seen RRR yet, which is oh, should be at the top of your list. Cause... It, it is. That is something that he, um, that and the menu, we actually both want to see. Oh, yeah. Menu is also awesome. Yeah, it looks at least interesting. Like, even yes. if it's not the best movie I've ever seen, it doesn't have to be, I guess. It's very rare that I see the best movie I've ever seen, but... What is the best movie you've ever seen? Or what is the most recent best movie you've ever seen that you haven't already mentioned because you've mentioned one, which was The Woman on the Roof? Uh, do you want to know from this year, last year? from This year so far. by the t- I don't know when this episode's coming out, but listeners, we're about, we're about at the beginning of April. Um, well, certainly, I would say Brothers certainly up there. For that's me. from this year? Yeah, that's from nice. this year. So, yeah, I would say that's... It's probably my favorite film of this year so far. What's yeah. your least favorite film of this year so far? Jeez, that's tough. Um, probably Scream 6, maybe. <laughs> um, oh, man, I know some people liked it. Well, at least they found it entertaining. Yeah, I would say that's probably my least favorite of this year so far. I don't that's like bad, huh? sequels, and I don't like stories that are the same story retold in a different way with people that are just as annoying as the first <laughs> version and that it just yeah they just... has there ever been a sequel that you have liked, like one where you're just kind of like actually my bad. yeah it's actually i had a <laughs> I, I again poking the bear but uh, i was on twitter not that long ago and someone was talking about look at all these great sequels and i'm like yeah what's that a great sequel never heard of it um but there is some that I would say I did like, like I did didn't mind Terminator Two compared to Terminator One, but then I I put in perspective: Did we need Terminator Two? No, we didn't need Terminator Two. And I I will always make the argument when someone says, "Well, this the sequel was actually good," and I'm like, 
yeah, maybe, but like, think about how much effort and time, if they would have had an original script with an original idea that we could have now got another concept that wasn't just a regurgitation of a Terminator going around killing people. Like, I have this belief about film in general that um, I don't go to the, not very often do I go to the movie theaters to be entertained because I entertain myself. I'm just, I just, I'm in love with myself and everything I do entertains me. So when I go to the theater, I want to go to the theater and come back a different person. So if I've rewatched a movie that, you know, was a sequel, I automatically think, well, how is this any different than the original other than instead of them fighting a Terminator, they're fighting a liquid Terminator that with another Terminator it's, you know what I mean? So, so I, I, I don't normally appreciate them. I can say, you know, that was a good movie, but did it need to be made? Usually there's hardly ever a time where I've said, yeah, that needed to be made. What about something like toy story two, where the plot is inherently different than the original? Mm-hmm. But again, did we did we need a Toy Story two? No, we didn't need a Toy Story two. What we could I would argue yes because I liked it. Yeah, well, I I also liked it. I liked the entire <laughs> Toy Story. But think of the creativity they could have done if they made another film that had a completely different cast of characters with that. You know what I mean? Like, did you grow as a per- like again? It's my measurement stick is did I grow as a person because I watched Toy Story two? No, I did not. Was I entertained by Toy Story two? absolutely so i don't know maybe i've watched toy stories one two and three a lot in my life yeah i think and i actually think i like two and three better than the first one well there you go so maybe they should have started at two and not (laughs) just shown one in flashbacks or something be like hey remember this yeah yeah it's like here's the flashbacks they they just went right to two where the movie was good or great you know what i mean so yeah it's it's just my measurement stick because i watched so much content that I'm like, I only have so much time. So if I've wasted my time watching a movie that has similar plot with same characters, I'd rather just watch a TV show, which is kind of the same thing, right? I mean, you watched a thousand movies in one year. I don't know if I've watched a thousand movies, period? (laughs) Question mark? I don't know. I I was trying to come up with a metric and I realized I didn't have one. Yeah, I mean, some of those are short. So I I do screen films. I, I, um... I'm a previewer for mm-hmm. film festivals, so oh, nice. I have to watch a lot of films through sure. them as well. So in addition to me going to the cinemas all the time, yeah. I wouldn't complain about that if they were like, hey, do you want to be like a Titanic book tester? I'd be like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just it. You probably don't get that choice. There's not very many no. people that are, yeah. But you should put that out there. We'll edit. Now it's out there. <laughs> we'll edit and screen anything Titanic. Yeah, I will also do your audiobook if you're okay. if you're interested. I don't always sound like this. I can get way less pitchy when I'm talking eh, like and way pitchy. less excited about it. I like pitchy. <clears throat> so I I I announce for roller derby as well. I play roller derby. It's I love it so much. It's amazing. My favorite like, sport. I mean, the only sport that I actually enjoy. Yes, it's the best. Yeah, and um. I was announcing over the weekend for a tournament and one of my friends was like, um, when I was listening to another game was saying jokingly, like we should do like ASMR slash golf announcer style announcing for a jam. And I was like, I'll take that challenge. So at one point during a game, I was like, okay, I'm going to start off in this tone and we're going to do things. 
we're going to do other things. And I just kept getting more and more excited. And finally, I was back to talking like normal. <laughs> you, couldn't, like, you couldn't do it. You just No, about 30 it. seconds in, I was just like, I'm getting too excited. Okay, things are happening. <laughs> Literally unable to do it for more than, um, like, I think I kept it up for 45 seconds before it was like. <sighs> yeah, then you went, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, I grew up with um, <laughs> with uh, roller derby as nice. my Saturday afternoon viewing. They had Excellent. professional roller derby uh, on TV when I was a kid. So it had been a passion of mine ever since. It's amazing. And this year is the 20th anniversary of modern roller derby, which is it's a little bit different than it was. It's now primarily on flat tracks and mm. there's like a rule set and a yeah. governing body and everything. I, I love it. I think it's amazing. Um, but yeah, the first ever leagues, two leagues, Texas roller derby and Texas roller girls, they started as one, but now they split into banked and flat, but oh, they nice. started in 2003. So this is happy 20 years to both um, Texas roller derby and Texas roller girls. Congratulations congratulations to them and to everyone i think there's you know hundreds of teams now internationally so it's amazing to see something like that pop up and get popular so it's it's really it's really fun and just it's nice and i enjoy it and it's also an excuse to get excited about things so yeah again keeping yourself entertained i love it yeah literally that in the same way that you entertain yourself i very frequently entertain myself i'll say things and i'm like well i'm glad i thought that was funny no one else needed to. Well, you just need to tell me more things because I mm. think you're funny. I came up with, I think I've come, I've come up with two completely original puns. Now watch, they've probably been come up with somebody else. But like, I tell these jokes to everybody. And if, and if everyone's like, tell me a joke. I'm like, all right, they're not even good. But I think they're extremely funny. Why don't hands and feet ever socialize? I don't know. Why don't they? They've got their own joints. <laughs> See, that's awesome. I think it's fun. Well, I think I don't know if I've told the story on the show or not, but this is so roller derby is also famous for its puns. And one of my home league's uh, members, she's like the co-chair of the league and everything. She's she's like a pun master. I don't know where she gets it from. Just does. Yeah, some and people just have it. Some really don't. Do. I know, and I have it okay, but she's queen. But I I swear pretty liberally. I swear very effusively and um, very excitedly a lot of the times just because why not? But this one day when I was driving the two of us to practice, I was getting really frustrated with everyone driving. But instead of just swearing like a normal person, I was calling everyone potatoes. Nice. No idea why. Just being like, everyone's driving like potatoes. Everything's like potatoes, potatoes. Potatoes, potatoes, potatoes. Just throwing the word around. And I could see her smile getting bigger and bigger in the passenger seat but she wasn't saying anything and then finally when it looked like she might just explode after i make another potato comment she goes you think they might be able to drive better with so many eyes <laughs> and i almost rear-ended the car in front of us i'm so <laughs> mad so well done well played well done. they yeah. are so, uh puns are great i mean it oh the lengths i will go to to set up a pun are almost upsetting yeah well i mean it, it, the delivery is always worth it <laughs> sometimes it's not i i debate sometimes i'll i'll give you one more of my announcer weirdos where 
I was calling a game for Team Florida who was wearing orange because Florida oranges. And I made more than one joke about like, they've clearly drank their orange juice today because why not? And I did it again. And then for some reason, I decided to lean way in and go, Tropicana, believe it? And I think I laughed for about five seconds, and I'm pretty sure like a hundred people logged off the stream. <laughs> like, no, I don't I care how good this game is. I drop it, can believe it. <laughs> <laughs> no one's thrown that bag at me yet, and I appreciate it so much. <laughs> well, you, oh my well gosh, played. I loved it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well. Look out for me on roller derby streams if you want to hear more of those absolute nonsensical things. I told the stream that a skater named the Harmacist was trying to fill a prescription for points, and I was way too proud of myself. <laughs> oi, oi. And then well, you dash the check. Hopefully. So you have watched a million movies. What's What is coming up on Film Rage? What are you guys going to be talking about in the next few weeks? Do you know, or do you... Uh, or is, so, are you doing like a lottery style few weeks? Yeah, so we we basically see every almost every new movie that comes out. Sweet. So if um obviously with some caveats, we don't watch kids' shows. So we won't watch cartoons. Um sure. we may watch them for pleasure, but not put it on the podcast. Understood. We also don't put tween movies on. We don't watch uh, specific things like because none of us like rom-coms we won't normally choose one unless it's an international rom-com sure right, which is completely different they're not something like finding mr destiny which was a korean one from back in the day exactly we would have watched that for sure especially if it's korean because korean filmmakers are the best but that's just my opinion um so yeah we don't specifically we just look at what's coming out so for uh next week's episode and the films we're going to watch this coming week uh, we're going to be seeing The Good Person, uh, and we're going to be seeing John Wick 4. And then we also, we have different segments on our podcast. So mm-hmm. we have a, a, po- a episode or a segment called The Lists, where we, we have a, four lists that we have on our website. Um, the Doubted and the Undoubted, um, <laughs> The Repulsive, and The Mesmerizing. So if we find an actor is mesmerizing and we've built a list of actors that we think are mesmerizing and so we felt at one point that you know there's too many on the list and so <laughs> if two if two mesmerizing actors are in the 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 definition of mesmerizing is when that actor is on screen they're the most mesmerizing thing on the screen so oh, like james marsden yeah kind of like james marsden he's he's the most adorable person that's ever walked the planet right yeah and he plays a um, lunatic in dead to me really well yeah he's he's adorable he's amazing um but uh so if two two mesmerizing actors are in it then we have a a watch a watch off mm-hmm. where it's like murray who's our producer will find movies and make us watch them to say okay there's two mesmerizing actors in here who is more mesmerizing and if we both agree, Bryce and I both agree that one is more mesmerizing, then the other one cannot always be mesmerizing because they weren't out mesmerizing someone who's more mesmerizing. So 
Does your wall look like Charlie from It's Always Sunny? <laughs> it could, but no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's just on our website. So people can ah, go there we go. take a look at our website and see who's mesmerizing. We just removed a whole bunch of actors in the last little while. And Ooh, anyone controversial? Um, no. Um ah. like Mac Max von Sido and um and Harvey Keitel were just removed. Um yeah, we we lost Willem Dafoe a few a while ago. Nicholas Cage got taken out recently. Like, wow, there's just you know when you put an actor against another actor, and one of them is just more mesmerizing, and you're going like, uh, this person could. They're just dialing it in. They're not 100 percent mesmerizing all the time, so they have to be. They're gone. A single elimination. So, nope. What was I trying to say? A single elimination bracket is brutal. Yeah, it is, and because you know, ultimately eventually unless someone's not in another movie so we have some actors that are now you know passed away so Mm -hmm. they are going to be potentially on it for life because unless we create another mesmerizing person that goes against them they'll never get off right so right but otherwise if people can continue to act and they're against another mesmerizing actor then they might not like it so and then we have another one where people people dare us to watch terrible movies (laughs) And it's basically just to torture one another. And um, so, yeah, we'll be uh, watching a terrible movie to fuel our rage. What? <laughs> like... the, the dogs just reacted to something and I didn't realize one of them was behind me. Oh. So there was just a flurry of scrabbling behind me and I did not expect it. I am so sorry. thought there was Cujo in the house. Uh, He sounds a bit like that. He's 45 pounds, but he sounds like he's about 100. It's pretty intense. Nice. Oish. Well, on that note, Jim, thank you so much for coming and donating your time to my nonsense. If this is nonsense, I can't get enough. Yay. Well, that means we'll definitely have to come back at some point. I'd love to. Awesome. Well, for this time, thank you so much for joining us. Titanic Talkline was created and produced by me, Alexia. Be sure to keep up with the show on all the social medias at Titanic Talkline on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is all one word. Titanic Talkline, T-I-T-A-N-I-C-T-A-L-K-L-I-N-E. If you want to get in touch, be on the show, sponsor the show, or have a question or anything you want to tell me, send me an email at Titanic Talkline, again, all one word, at gmail.com. That's Titanic Talkline at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye!